Hey, Leading Learning listener, if you represent a membership organization looking for ways to expand your online course catalog rapidly with high quality content, we have good news. At leadinglearning.com AMA, you can find out how to make online training from the American Management Association available to your learners. Through a partnership between AMA and Tagoras, the parent company of Leading Learning, you can give your learners access to more than 70 e-learning modules covering essential business topics ranging from leading and innovating, to managing projects effectively, to working in hybrid teams. For details on how to grow your catalog with courses from a true global leader in management training, visit leadinglearning.com slash AMA. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Welcome to episode 53 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, Jeff and I are going to talk about a topic that we think should be a trend, but really isn't as far as we can tell. And we'll say up front that we invite listeners to disagree on our assessment. And you can visit the show notes for the episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 53, and you can leave a comment. But before we dive into the main content of this episode, we want to thank your membership, which as the executive sponsor of our annual Leading Learning Symposium is also the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. You can find out more about your membership and its learning solutions at yourmembership.com. And actually, this trend that we're going to talk about came to mind uh, particularly because of the Leading Learning Symposium that we'll be holding next week. And it really, of course, as we're planning for that, gets us thinking about how learning happens. That's right. And we're bringing together you know, a group of people who are, as you might guess, leaders in the, uh, the field of learning and the business of learning. And of course, you know, everybody's focused on um, how to create better learning events, how to create better learning products and services that they can offer to their audience. And you know, among that group, there's been um, a, a very a, a number of very positive trends. In fact, across I'd say the the business of adult lifelong learning in general, there've been some very positive trends in the past several years. You know, one of those is that more organizations, certainly this group that's coming together in Baltimore falls in this category, have recognized that they they just need to do a much better job of grounding learning experiences and what we actually know about how adults learn. Because I mean, we do know quite a bit at this point, and we've covered some of that on. The the podcast and will continue to over time, but it's really only been in recent years, I think, that that's become a thing, you know, that more and more people are focusing on what does it really take to create great uh, experiences that really are conducive to learning. And I think, you know, in a nutshell, how that tends to get captured is that we, we need to move away from, you know, the excessive emphasis on lectures and, you know, we're not... Uh, uh, big lecture bashers here. We think they have their place, but you know we also know that they've been overused uh, typically in adult lifelong learning. Really, you know, from time immemorial, the, the lecture really has been the method of delivery. And we know now that you know we need to we need to break it up some. We need to mix it up some, and um, you know specifically we need to provide more opportunities for adults to 
interact and, and collaborate with each other, to learn from each other's experiences, and to get engage in you know really various approaches to making learning stick. It's not just about lecture. There needs to be quite a bit more thought that goes into how we structure and how we organize uh, learning events. And and we've seen, I think, significant movement. Uh, certainly, a lot of good talk, um, and I think some good action in that direction uh, over time. In fact, it's something we've tried ourselves uh, very much to, to model um, with the leading learning symposium and our other events. And I think, you know, we have miles to go, you know, uh, obviously, but um, but we've made improvements and we've seen a lot of other organizations make improvements. So that has been a, a big positive trend out there. It has been a big positive trend. And the related trend that we would like to talk about that we don't feel like gets as much um, kind of airtime is really the need to reassert the learner's responsibility for learning. That, you know, this is not a, a one-way um, street. You know, you can't sort of, uh, you know, back to the lecture idea, you can't architect the perfect lecture where it's going to um, really result in learning. And part of that is because the learner has to engage and really has to embrace that responsibility. So again, I think it's entirely possible to have a very effective lecture, but it really comes down to, okay, is that uh, person hearing what's happening really motivated to accept her responsibility in applying what she's hearing about? So the trend we're talking about is the reassertion of the learner's responsibility for learning. And, And really the reason that that learner's responsibility is so important is because meaningful learning really does require effort. Yeah, and we've talked about this and written about it extensively. Uh, you know, in the first place, um, it requires what's uh, in, in learning theory speak uh, referred to as effortful retrieval. You know, so the, the learner actually has to make the effort to really pull from her past experience, from her current experience, and, you know, connect the current learning to uh, the, the experience that he or she has in life and, and figure out where those meaningful connections are. But that is, that is an effort um, both to retrieve and connect to past learning, um, but also the, the the new learning that the learner does uh, acquire from any event, um, they're going to have to spend some time retrieving that as well and, and, and repeating it over time. And we talked about this uh, a fair amount, I think, in the, in the podcast uh, interview you did with Peter C. Brown talking about uh, Make It Stick, which we think is just, uh, it's one of our emphatically recommended readings. We think that you know every learning business professional should have read Make It Stick and should understand this concept of, of effort and of effortful retrieval. And really related to that, um, I'd already sort of pointed towards it, is this idea of, um, of self-testing. I mean, part of, part of retrieving uh, anything that you're trying to learn is to test yourself on it and to make sure that you've really gotten um, the, the concept. And there's some great research uh, by John Donlovsky uh, and, and a group of other researchers on this. Um, he went to look at, you know, what are the things that truly are effective uh, strategies that, that lead to better learning? And, you know, one of those was self-testing. There were really only two um, that were truly effective based on the, on the research. And, and self-testing was one of them, making that effort again to go back and test yourself on the concept concepts that, uh, that, that you've learned or to practice the skills that, that you've learned. And another key uh, technique for really um, engaging as a learner is distributed practice. And this often also gets referred to as spaced learning. So again, it gets back to this idea that you can't just sort of hear something once or even apply something once. If you really want it to become uh, something that is learned, something that is part of your behavior, you need to 
practice it over and over uh, at intervals over time so it doesn't work to cram, right? It doesn't work to kind of take your um, all of your repetitions and put them side by side. You need to do this over time. You need to be revisiting the concepts and, and applying them again and again. And, and this is related to deliberate practice, and that draws on the work of Anders Ericsson. And um, through years of research, um, you know, we, we know that you need the practice. And Malcolm Gladwell kind of popularized this um, notion in Outliers, this this idea of there's 10,000 hours of, of practice. And it's also talked about in Erickson's uh, book, Peak. But uh, And we know that the 10,000 hours came under you know, some, uh, some flack recently, but it's really the flack was about the, the quantity of hours uh, versus the quality of hours. I mean, you have to put in the practice, but it also has to be good practice. It needs to be effortful practice. Effortful, deliberate um, you know, practice. It really is designed to help you stretch yourself uh, a certain amount, not too far so that you get demotivated, but enough you know, to um, you know, make you feel like you've really accomplished something whenever you're practicing. So you know, we have those concepts of you know, uh, effortful uh, retrieval, you know, really uh, bringing back the, the things that you've learned, um, of, of connecting uh, wh- what you've learned to things that uh, you've learned before and that are going on in your life, the whole idea of self-testing, of uh, distributed practice and space learning, uh, and, and of that practice being of a, of a certain quality, of a being deliberate and, and, and pushing you a little bit. And, and there's a commonality uh, across all of this, I, I'd say. Yeah, I think that uh, you know, all of these really rely on the learner. I mean, the learner has to be engaged, has to be motivated, has to be disciplined. And, and we as um, facilitators or instructors, we can't do this for the learner. The learner can only do it for herself. And so I think that's a really key point that we can do everything we can to sort of scaffold uh, an appropriate experience to make it clear that we want um, the, the learner to engage in these types of behaviors, but ultimately the learner has to do it. Right. And, and, and you know, to make sure everybody understands, you know, we think it is absolutely a good practice to try to, you know, create the, the most conducive possible environment, you know, to do everything possible uh, to help to facilitate learning, to help scaffold, um, as you were saying, um, Salisa. But we shouldn't delude ourselves that we can design, and this is paraphrasing uh, T.S. Eliot, um, we shouldn't delude ourselves that we can design learning experiences that are so perfect that no one will need to try. You know, learners simply have to step up if real learning is going to happen. But of course, you know, that's easy to say while it's not necessarily easy to achieve. I mean, there's kind of, I think, a a rub there for for all of us. That's right. We've, um, I know, Jeff, you've written about this, this idea of a rub before, and it really comes down to the fact of, okay, so fine, you buy into the fact that, that the learners have to engage. Well, do learners really know how to engage? Do they know how to be effective learners? And it seems like research and experience is showing us that, no, they don't, that, you know, we've been taught things like, oh, we'll highlight the textbook, or, you know, we've been taught sort of um, shortcuts that really in many ways, reduce the effort, sort of, you know, eliminate some of the deliberate practice. And so it's about how do we help the learners understand how best to learn? Right. And you, you mentioned, you know, highlighting specifically. That's one of those things I think, you know, everybody probably has old highlighted textbooks on their shelves and that sort of thing. And I, I mentioned Dunlovsky's research earlier. That's one of the least effective techniques mm-hmm. um, that there is. And so, I mean, to the extent that we're given techniques at all uh, for learning effectively, uh, a lot of them are really not based in research and science and, in fact, are not effective. But a lot of us have also just never really been given any significant techniques or, or really, you know, been challenged to reflect upon 
and to incorporate good learning practices into our lives. And I think certainly, you know, we haven't, um, you know, those of us who, you know, grew up up until recently where we've seen this just massive shift in the global economy, massive shift in technology. We now have this concept that we've called, you know, the other 50 years where, you know, you, you get out of college, you get out of grad school, whatever, in your early to, to mid-20s, if you're lucky enough to get that far in education, and you still got another 50 years in front of you, and guess what? Things are changing, you know, rapidly all the time. You have to keep learning. You have to keep retooling. And we've just argued that most of us are not all that well prepared by uh, the uh, the school system as it's historically existed, at least in the United States, to be able to do that. You know, and I mean, certainly, you know, that's an area that we need to address. And there, there are people out there beating the drum for you know reform in K through 12, reform in higher education, and and really bringing uh, a deep understanding and practice of lifelong learning skills into those environments. Um, we have a long ways to go with that, but you know, that's that's good work that is being done. Um, but certainly, you know, if if people are already out in that other 50 years, then it's going to fall to the organizations that are serving them to come up with approaches to help uh, uh, bring about the sense of, of a learner's responsibility and learner accountability. So maybe we can suggest some things that, uh, that people could actually do. That's right. So, I mean, I, we have at least three ideas that we would like to, to share. It's always three ideas. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the, the first is, is that really making sure that um, education about learning happens at your major um, touch points with your customers, with your members. So um, you need to be helping learners learn how to learn. Um, and this should really be, we think, an integral part of, of every major meeting. It could be part of the opening and closing sessions. It could be woven throughout. We think it should be all of these things. Um, and, you know, you could also use it outside of the context of, um, of meetings. It could be a complement to a webinar series or other forms of online learning. And it should be the kind of thing that you're discussing in your publications. So basically to address this idea of how do we learn, how can... Um, our learners come prepared and follow up uh, and learn effectively, we need to be addressing that frequently and, and consistently and emphasizing these good learning practices. So we're not talking about highlighting, you know, when we're talking about self-testing and we're talking about deliberate practice and things like that. And again, this doesn't have to be, you know, patronizing or pedantic, you know, I think that you, you want to be careful because obviously some people in your audience are going to be very familiar with these concepts that books like Make It Stick or Brain Rules or, or Peak, they're going to have read those books and they're going to understand them. But I think that you can still keep reminding people of it. And I think the people who, even if they've already read it before, will hopefully appreciate that you're reminding them that you're giving them that opportunity for um, reflection, for revisiting, you know, the spaced learning opportunity to revisit those concepts over time. So I think just building that into whatever you're doing in terms of learning products and services is a, is a good first suggestion. Yeah, just making it, you know, very conscious, very visible, something that um, is going to be repeated again and again over time, because, you know, we we know to a certain extent uh, repetition is is the mother of learning. Um, you have to see things uh, quite a few times often before you engage somebody at the moment that they're really willing to receive that and motivated to receive that and start making it part of their ongoing practice. And plus we know that at any one of those learning events or products or any one of those learning services, you're only going to be touching a, a portion of your, right. your members and customers anyway. So it, there's also that you have to say it many times so that you can hopefully then reach everybody and then if people are hearing it multiple times 
that's fine. That's good. That serves the purpose that that you're seeking here to help learners learn. Right. And, and just, you know, so this isn't just theory that we're talking about here to make this very practical. I mean, practically speaking, that means spending five minutes, you know, with, with somebody doing a, a brief presentation, a brief talk, you know, at the beginning of a conference, at the beginning of a, a webinar. It means maybe putting together, you know, some brief videos, um, uh, putting out some um, some brief PDF type documents that you send out to learners who are going to attend uh, an event to, to highlight some good learning practices and just doing that kind of thing again and again and again. So very practical. And that that's, that's number one, you know, really communicating that out to your learners and prospective learners. Um, number two, I'd say, is to, to fully enlist and support your, your subject matter experts. You know, so the people who are presenting, um, who are facilitating uh, the learning experiences that, um, that, that you're delivering, and, you know, and it's kind of an extension uh, of the point uh, above. You know, most of the people who are subject matter experts, um, facilitators, we've said this before, you know, are, are typically experts in, in their, their topics. You know, they, they know their subject matter. Doesn't mean that they're expert teachers or that they've ever been um, fully educated in how to uh, help facilitate uh, effective learning or in how to um, extend that message to learners that, um, that you're trying to get to learners. So they should be part of your communication force around here, you know, is how uh, effective learning happens. But you should also be educating them. Um, make sure those subject matter experts uh, also understand how uh, effective learning actually happens. So we have the, the first point of helping the learners know how to learn, that second point of really enlisting um, the, the subject matter experts, the volunteer presenters, all of those folks too, to make sure that they understand how, how learning happens. And then the third suggestion is is to be an avatar of learning. And um, you know, as leaders in lifelong learning, we are avatars. We can uh, embody and do what we want our learners to do. So if we're um, making the, the call to be engaged and active learners, we need to do that ourselves. We need to make sure that we are um, embracing responsibility, that we are taking the time and the energy to devote to learning, that we don't cry busy, too busy to do that when we're um, asked to prepare uh, in a way that will help a learning experience uh, be more, more impactful, result in more learning for us. So I think there's just the seeing ourselves as, as, um, as embodiments of this is how good learning happens. Absolutely. I mean, and that is the essence of leadership from our perspective is to be that kind of avatar to model the type of behavior that you're hoping anybody who's going to, to follow you um, uh, is going to pick up on and make part of their own practice. Part of that, too, I think, is, uh, is risk taking, you know, being willing um, as that avatar to, to take a few risks here and there. I mean, one of the, one of the things we do at the symposium um, that I think people perceive as risky is uh, we, we've borrowed um, from one of our mentors the, the concept of hot seats. Um, so, you know, you, you get up in front of the audience with a challenge or opportunity that um, you're hoping to tackle and um, you give some information about that and then uh, the, the other, the peers who are gathered there, you know, help you think it through and, and give some advice. And um, I'm always a little surprised, um, maybe I should be. I think it's just human nature, but um, you know, we ask a group of learning leaders coming together. You know, how many of them are, are willing to get up there and do a hot seat? And um, you get the crickets and birds. Basically, uh, very very few of them are, are willing to to take that risk. And some of that's just human nature. You know, that you know, there are other ways to take risk. Um, but that's the type of thing where you know, if you want to learn, you usually have to be willing to to get a little bit uh, uncomfortable. That, that that's a little bit of stretching that we talked about, and something like um, deliberate practice. So, you know, making sure that you as a leader 
um, are embracing the responsibility, are taking some risk, are modeling the effective learning practices and behaviors that you would hope your learners um, would, would be adopting. And in general, just, you know, helping to create a, a culture uh, of learning, I think, you know, throughout your organization um, inter- internally, uh, but then, you know, across the entire audience uh, that, that, that you're serving. And it's interesting, we often do um, a lot of, uh, we do surveying, you know, as part of working with clients at, at times. And we always like to ask, you know, uh, how often are you actually attending any sort of formal educational experiences, whether online or, or, um, uh, or face-to-face? Um, that's kind of a standard question because we want to know, you know, um, how many times a year are people um, showing up for any sort of formal education? And that's not a, that's not a perfect measure because obviously there's plenty of informal learning um, that can be even more important than formal. But usually that's a sign if people are willing to invest at, at least some level in a formal educational experience, then then there's there at least a little bit of a culture of, of learning and, and education across the audience that's being served. And we always look at that. And some organizations will come back and you see that, you know, there are people, um, whether it's coming to their events or just you know, any event, will go to several, um, you know, annually. Others, you know, will have 60, 70% of the people come back and say they do nothing um, mm-hmm. annually. And I mean, there's really no field or industry where that's viable now. I mean, you pretty much have to be out there. So, you know, that's a great question to be asking uh, of your audience, you know, to find out how much formal education they're engaging in each year. And that, that gives you at least one signal as to whether you really got that culture of learning out there. But then you, you know, as a, as a leader in your organization, as a leader, leader you know, to really celebrate the, 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 the concept of learner responsibility, um, you know, and, and uh, again, as you were saying, Salisa, it's not it's not so much pandering or, or patronizing. It's just really you know saying that this is this is an important concept now. This is a vital concept, and we as an organization and I as a leader want to help you um, with this because it's just it's just so important um, to individuals, and I think it's just fundamental to any organization's mission now that uh, that does have continuing education, professional development, lifelong learning as part of the services that uh, it's providing. So I think just to touch on something you you said, I mean, really, we see this this idea of, of learning being integral to the, the idea of being a leader. I right. mean, you can so you're leading learning in at least two ways. I mean, one is the fact that it's your business, but the other is is that to really lead, you need to be learning. And and I know that we had an episode on on lead leading learning um, not that long ago, and so we can probably in, include a. A link to that in the show notes because we do touch on some of the um, some of these points and some related points in, in that podcast episode. So that's that's our take, I guess, on um, on the, the trend that is not a trend, um, the non trend, the non trend, <laughs> but 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 should be. Um, so we hope that the uh, the the people who are listening to um, this episode will will take that to heart and maybe spend some time reflecting on um, what your own learning habits and practices are and, and the extent to which you really are embracing responsibility and accountability yourself um, for for learning and developing over time, and then to what extent um, you're really helping to uh, communicate that message out to the audience you serve and and really helping that audience with cultivating um, responsibility, with cultivating uh, accountability, and and really creating that that culture of uh, of learning across uh, the audience that you serve. So as we're wrapping up this episode, we will say thank you once again to your membership for being a sponsor of this episode of the podcast. And again, you can find out more about your membership at yourmembership.com. And we do encourage you to actually, you know, 
go there, click that link, um, find out about your membership.com. We don't endorse specific vendors or platforms, but it is extremely important for us to have sponsors uh, to be able to set aside the time and put the effort into doing this podcast on a weekly basis. And and your membership uh, has played a critical role with that. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 53. And while you're there, you will see options for subscribing to the podcast. And we do hope you will become a subscriber if you are getting value out of the podcast. We'd also be really grateful if you'd take just a, just a few seconds, really, um, to give us a rating on iTunes. Um, you can just go to leadinglearning.com forward slash iTunes, and that'll automatically direct you to the, the iTunes page, and you can see there that uh, you can give us stars, you can write a brief review. We'd really appreciate it if you do that. It, it really helps others to, to know about and to find uh, the podcast. And please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, or if Twitter isn't your thing, you can pick another social network of your preference and spread the word that way. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.